Hey, welcome to the podcast today. Uh, again, uh, I mean, let me give you just a little disclaimer here. You're going to hear some noise in the background and uh, not not too much wind today, I think, because we are in a theater and we're in a theater in the in the in the town of Pergamos. Okay, isn't that amazing? This city of Pergamos that you'll read about in Revelation, the second chapter. Uh, it is uh, not too far from the Aegean Sea, uh, and it was uh, one of the seven churches that uh, John wrote about in the book of Revelation. And uh, it is just a tremendous, such, such an awesome place. You need to come and see it. Come and visit it. You'll be uh, wonderfully amazed. We're having a great time today here with a group from our church. And uh, we are uh, going to discuss something for our podcast today. And it comes uh, specifically from the letter uh, from the book of Revelation and from the message that John was uh, told to write down for the church in Pergamos. And uh, you can read about it in Revelation 2, uh, verses 12 through about 17, I believe. But one of the things that uh, that uh, we, we know about the particular church in Pergamos is that uh, it was dealing with compromise. In fact, in many of your Bibles, if you'll look at a little heading, if any if any of the Bible scholars or commentators uh, dare to write anything to give you a little help, they'll talk about it as the compromising church. You know, uh, it was a church that had some compromise in it. They were doing well, they were doing faithful, but yet they had allowed some things to creep into the church. They allowed the world to get into the church. And the only way the world can get into the church is if the world gets into your life. The only way the devil can get into the church is if the devil gets in your life because you are the church. It's not a building. You know, uh, it's us. And the only way that Satan could ever establish his throne in the church is if he had a piece of your life, if he was sitting, you know, and, and, and guiding your thoughts or your mind or your actions. So it's very important to realize that, uh, you know, the devil cannot divide your family unless he can get somebody to work with him. The devil cannot divide a church unless he can get someone to work with him. Uh, he cannot divide a, a, a kingdom or a city or anything else unless he can get someone to work with him. And so here, uh, we need to realize that just because this letter is a couple of thousand years old does not mean it doesn't have relevancy for today. In fact, if we've, as we've been discussing this, uh, um, some have made the comment that, uh, you know, nothing changes. Everything stays the same. Generation after generation, you know, millennia after millennia, uh, people are the same. They just want to work and, and eat and raise a family and go to bed at night with peace and joy and have happiness and have some fun in their life and, you know, and feel at the end of their life that, that they made a difference. Three things we've talked about all the time in our church. Number one, our responsibility is to make a living. Number two, what is it? Make, make a life. life. And number three, that's right. We talk about number one is our responsibility to make a living. Number two, make a life. And number three, make a difference. And every day we should be doing something in all three of those areas. Uh, we don't want to spend all of our life making a living and never make a life so that we get to the end of our life and our children don't know us. Our grandchildren don't know us. Nobody appreciates us or we don't have a good name. We need to make a living. We need to make a life. We have to make a living actually. And we ought to make a life. And for goodness sakes, while we're making a living to make a life, we need to make a difference. It was the same thing here in the city of Pergamos. People were going about wanting to make a living, wanting to make a life, wanting to make a difference, but yet they were surrounded with some of the same things we're surrounded with today. The devil was all around them. I mean, we're standing here today in this theater, beautiful, beautiful theater, and we're looking up at, at, at a temple that was dedicated to a couple of emperors, Trajan and Hadrian. Uh, I mean, it's huge temple up on the top of a hill. I mean, nobody could miss it. Huge uh, marble, white, wonderful, beautiful uh, right here in this city so that everyone in the city could have seen it. And, uh, you know, uh, the temple of Zeus is here. Maybe that's what was being referred to. You know, um, uh, many people have wondered, many scholars, and they keep changing. You know, uh, uh, 
history is very interesting because only the victors get to write history, by the way. You know, and so you always have a, a victor's uh, a perspective of history. And uh, I was at the University of Maryland uh, studying history. I remember my history professor said this, that uh, um, change the historian, change the history. You know, and that's reality. Change the historian, change the history. And uh, we, we talk about, in fact, there's an English word called zeitgeist. And, uh, you know, it's not a word that we use very much, but it means tenor of the time. It means that every season, every, uh, every generation, every time of life has, uh, um, uh, has an emphasis, the tenor of the times. You know, uh, I remember whenever I was doing a Civil War history, uh, I went and visited the Civil War battlegrounds. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, one historian from one period would write that Grant was an alcoholic. You know, from another period, they would write that he wasn't. From another period, they were out there. And I was going, oh, my goodness, uh, who knows whether he was or whether he wasn't, you know. In fact, you know, his name was not even Ulysses S. Grant. Did you all know that? Yeah, history records his name as being Ulysses S. Grant. That's not even his name. Why? Because some historian recorded that his name is Hiram Ulysses Grant. Interesting. interesting. S stood for stone. That was his mother's maiden name. Uh, it was misput on an application, but some historian got it and wrote it, and now we know him as interesting. But anyway. Uh, we could go on. Of course, he used Ulysses S because he did not like the name Hiram. Uh, he kind of liked what someone wrote about him, so he stayed. You know, my point, change the history, change the historian. You change a generation, people tell a different story. So many things have been told trying to guess what, what the throne of Satan was, where it is. I mean, it's changing right now. You know, uh, uh, Majit, uh, our, 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 our tour guide, just told us, well, you know, some people believe this. We used to say this, and some people now are thinking this. Maybe it's this, and some people come, you know, well, you know, fact of the matter is, I'm here to tell you, I don't know, okay? I don't have a position on it, but I know exactly where the throne of Satan is trying to sit in my life. I know where the throne of Satan is trying to sit in the church in this generation, okay? And God was not talking about some physical place, okay? God was talking about a spiritual place. This message is a spiritual message, not a physical message. And it speaks to every generation. And what we have to make sure is we do not allow compromise in our life. Sure, God appreciates the faith that we have, but he wants us to make sure as well. He knows the temptations we have and he knows uh, uh, how he can help us through those. In fact, he gives them a message of overcoming. And uh, you'll hear some more tour, tour groups coming by us. And, uh, but, uh, and also you'll hear some, uh, some uh, uh, Muslim prayers in the distance. Uh, uh, it's, it's time for uh, prayer time. Call for the prayer. Yeah, calling for the prayer, yeah. Uh, yeah. You'll hear this all over the land. It's just amazing. Yeah. Uh, so uh, let me get to the, to the crux. This is one of the things that God said to the people uh, in that day, and he's saying to us as well. He says, I have a few things against you because uh, you have those there that hold to the doctrine of Balaam. Now, let me, let me talk to you about the doctrine of Balaam for just a moment. And you can read the rest of it for yourself and just realize those that overcome, God has a plan for you. To every church you wrote to, it's about those that overcome. And he's writing to you today. He's talking to you about overcoming. God doesn't leave you in a hole. He doesn't say, look what you did. Oh, my goodness. Oh, gosh, wish I could help you. You know, he always leaves it on an up note. And if it is bad, God is not finished yet. So our spiritual application today is that there are a few things in our life, just like then, that we need to look at. And God knows where they are and he knows how 
to help us, but we do not need to embrace the doctrine of Balaam. There are three times in the New Testament that Balaam is, is mentioned in this particular way. The first one we find in Jude, it's only got one chapter, and it's verse 11. And uh, there, uh, the Bible says in the King James, talks about uh, the era of Balaam. Now, if you read about Balaam in Numbers 22, Balaam was a prophet. He was a prophet of God, but he was offered money to, to curse the children of Israel. And God sent an angel, you know, almost cut his head off. And a donkey even spoke to Balaam. And so it ends up that Balaam says, okay, I cannot curse the Israelites. But the error in Balaam's life was because he, he, he liked money. It's perhaps some of the same things the, the church of Pergamos was facing. Maybe some of the same things that we face, you know. I mean, I mean, who among us doesn't like money? I like money. I like money a lot, you know. Uh, and, and I want more money. I don't know about you, but I want more money. God does not mind us having more money. He just doesn't want money having us. He doesn't mind us liking money. He doesn't want us to fall in love with it so that it becomes our passion and our only pursuit. But for some people it is. And Satan knows who people, who's those people are, and he tries his best to, to, to get them to chasing money and making money a part of their God or worshiping money or letting money dictate to them. Uh, then the second time Balaam is mentioned, it's talking uh, in, 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 in Peter, okay? Peter talks about the, error, the uh, way of Balaam. Number one, Jude, the error of Balaam. Number two, the way of Balaam. You know, if you don't check yourself whenever you make a mistake, your error, if you don't check yourself, it can become a way. And if you're not watchful, you get into habit of doing it. It's just a habit. And, you know, he, he had a, a, a way about him. And he was, the way about him was he was greedy of gain. And he loved money. And he was greedy. And it wasn't just a mistake he made it sometime. It wasn't just a temptation he went for. He literally became that person. That person that money was all they were after. It became a way of life. But here, the last time Balaam is mentioned in the Bible, talks about the doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of Balaam is different because doctrine is not just a mistake you made. Doctrine is not just a, a way of life. Doctrine is something that you begin to teach other people how to do. So let me encourage you today that are listening to the podcast and, and also those that are here sitting listening to me. Let me encourage you that, you know, God knows where your areas are that you can be tempted. He knows where the devil's wanting to sit on your throne. He knows, just like he did 2,000 years ago. And he's wanting you to overcome. And what he's wanting to make sure you do, he's wanting, number one, to make sure that if you, if you sin in life, repent. Don't make it a way of life. If you keep on sinning, it will just become a way. Have you ever heard somebody, well, that's just the way I am. Well, I'm, I know that's the way you are, and you need to change, okay? It's just the way I am. And we all have these temptations. And we all have to say, okay, gosh, tripped again, fell again. I know I need to change. But the one thing you want to make sure you don't do is get to the point where you begin to teach others how, you know, by your own example, that sinning is okay. All right? Okay. So don't do that. Okay? Stop it where it starts. Don't let it become a way of life. And make sure that you don't lead others to make the same mistakes you've made. Okay? God bless you. Listen, uh, we're enjoying our time here in Pergamos. We're going to move along now. And don't forget to join us here for our next podcast, all right? God bless you. Love you.